Hello and welcome to Habe Papam, episode 92, Stephen II, or the third. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Habemus Papam. So the first thing we have to do today is sort out the numbering. So if you've been keeping score at home, we've only had one pope named Stephen so far, St. Stephen I. But the official listing for this pope today is Stephen II with third in parentheses. So what happened? We haven't had any antipopes named Stephen so far, so that can't be the answer. In 752, at the death of St. Zachary, a Roman priest named Stephen was elected pope. But only a couple days later, he died of a stroke, several days before he was to be consecrated. And the Annuario Pontifico, which I've taken from, for the official listing of popes, has this to say about him. On the death of Zachary, the Roman priest Stephen was elected, but since he died three days later and before his consecratio, which according to the canon law of the time was the true commencement of his pontificate, his name is not registered in the Liber Pontificalis, nor in the other lists of popes. But some people do count him, which is what makes things confusing for the next guy. So the next guy was also conveniently named Stephen. So we had two Stephens elected in a row. And this Stephen was the son of a noble family, who with his brother Paul were orphaned at a young age and were raised at the schools at the Lateran Basilica. They were both ordained to the diaconate by Pope Zachary, and they served in the ecclesial administration of Rome. And at the death of this priest Stephen, the deacon Stephen was immediately elected and consecrated. And this was all done so quickly that Pope Stephen II was consecrated bishop on March 26, 752, just 12 days after the death of St. Zachary. Now, if you remember from last time, the Lombards had just conquered Ravenna and were again marching on Rome right at the time of the death of St. Zachary. St. Zachary had held off the Lombards again and again through diplomacy, but the current Lombard king, a guy named Astulf, was ambitious and he was moving towards Rome. And this was no time for Rome to be leaderless. So they moved quickly and they made sure we have a leader, we have a pope. So in June of 752, Stephen II decided to try diplomacy as well. It worked so well with St. Zachary. So he sent his brother, Deacon Paul, with other clergy members to try and get Astulf to back off. And he seems to have acquiesced a little, but he still tried to pressure the Pope into recognizing him as the sovereign. And the Pope sent another embassy, this time made up of a couple of powerful abbots and clergy, and he also wrote to Constantinople asking for imperial help. And an imperial representative arrived on the scene a little later, and he went to Astolf to try and get a solution, but to no avail. So, Stephen sent the imperial representative back to Constantinople asking for imperial troops to help retake the land taken by the Lombards, and also, you know, since you're heading back there, to help them end iconoclasm. So you remember that heresy from last episode and the episode before, which was the forbidding of the use of images of Jesus and the saints in worship. And at the same time, Stephen asked the clergy of Rome to pray for deliverance, and there were great processions and public liturgies asking for peace. So the Lombards won't deal, and the Byzantine Empire is basically impotent in Italy, where can the Pope turn? And the answer is the Franks. So Stephen II sent a letter to Pepin the Short, who, if you remember from last episode, was the newly crowned, thanks to Pope Zachary, King of the Franks. Pope Stephen asked for the Franks to send representatives to help bring him 
to Pepin's court and to go in person to plead his case. And so right when the response came back, inviting Stephen to come to France, another letter came from the emperor in Constantinople asking Stephen to go to the Lombard king and ask for Ravenna and other imperial territory back. So Stephen did this, even though he knew it would probably be pointless. The Lombards wouldn't budge, and in fact, they wouldn't even let him continue on to France. But after a lot of persuading, he was finally permitted to depart, and he rushed as quickly as he could out of Lombard territory. So now he's moving north through Italy towards France. And on November of 753, Pope Stephen II crossed the Alps and entered the kingdom of the Franks, meeting Pepin the Short at Pontion in what is now today northeastern France. Pope Stephen arrived dressed in a hair shirt and covered in ashes and threw himself on the ground and begged for help against the Lombards. He wouldn't stand up from the ground until the king himself came and lifted him up. And an agreement was reached, but it's unclear exactly what the agreement was. Pepin was definitely a major player in European affairs, and he definitely loved the church and the pope. And so it was a fairly easy decision for him to help Rome out against the Lombards. At first, though, he just wrote a letter instructing the Lombards to hang, stop harassing the Pope. But this, of course, didn't work. The Lombards are too power-hungry. They care so little about diplomacy. And in fact, the Lombard king persuaded Pepin's own brother, Carloman, who at this point was a monk in the Abbey of Monte Cassino, to go to France and try and get Pepin to change sides, to have Pepin be on the Lombard side against the Pope. Now, it didn't work. Pepin actually arrested his brother and decided to invade the Lombards. And on April 14, 754, Pepin promised Stephen that he would send his army to help relieve the plight of the Roman people. Now, the promise made here to Stephen is important in the course of history. It's the so-called Donation of Pepin, which promised the Pope that he could hold politically all the territory in Italy south of a particular line. Now, historians are unsure what actually was promised and whether this donation is really something that happened a couple of pontificates later, but we can't pass by Pepin and Stephen without talking about the donation. Pepin and his sons, in return, were given the title of Patrician of the Romans, which was only given to the most important citizens in the empire. In the summer of 754, Pepin moved his army into northern Italy, and the Pope was with him, and they made quick work of the Lombard army, and they besieged Astolf in his capital in Pavia, and they forced him to sign a peace treaty. The Lombards would return all the territory to Rome, including Ravenna, and would no longer harass them, and they would pay an annual tribute to the Franks. And Pepin then returned to France, and Stephen was sent back triumphant to Rome. But, unfortunately, like all these Lombard deals, it wouldn't last. In 756, Astolf was again at it. He marched on Rome, he laid siege to it, he desecrated the catacombs and other monuments outside the city walls, and Stephen again wrote to Pepin asking for help, he sent two letters by sea since Astolf controlled all the territory between Rome and France. And one of these letters was written to Pepin in the name of St. Peter himself, the Pope being the successor of St. Peter. He wrote as Peter. And it's really powerful, so let me just read you a little bit of it. I, Peter the Apostle, have been sent by the power of Christ, the Son of the living God, to be the light to the whole world. To this apostolic Roman church of God entrusted to me, your hope of future reward is attached. And so I, who have adopted you as sons, call you to defend this Roman state from the hands of its enemies. Now the letters worked because Pepin set off right away and he crossed the Alps in April of 756. At the same time, ambassadors from the Byzantine Empire arrived in Rome and as soon as they heard that Pepin was on his way, they hurried off to meet him. 
they wanted to talk to him alone away from papal representatives because of Ravenna. So if you remember, Ravenna was always the seat of Byzantine power in Italy. But when Pepin conquered the Lombards the last time, he gave it to the Pope, not to the Byzantines. And the Byzantines wanted it back and told Pepin as much, but Pepin would hear none of it. He wanted to give Italy to Peter, not to some emperor far away. And so after defeating the Lombards again, he sent the representatives to collect the keys of each of the towns in the former imperial territory. And once they had done so, they went to Rome and they deposited the kings and a new donation document at the tomb of St. Peter. Now as luck would have it, right after the great victory of 757, Ostulf, the king of the Lombards, died. And during the fight over who would succeed him, the eventual king Desiderius promised to uphold papal territory in northern Italy. But while this happened, Stephen II fell ill and died on April 26, 757. He was buried in St. Peter's Basilica, and he was succeeded after a difficult transition by his brother, St. Paul I. But we'll hear more about him next time. Thanks for listening to Habemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Bites podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com or find us on iTunes. There you can subscribe and have each new episode just appear in your phone whenever uh, it comes about. So we hope to see you. Thank you and God bless.